everyone, and welcome to Radio Free Menga episode 9 for June 23, 2013. My name is Rich In this podcast, I'm going to talk about the difference between single effect effect pedals and multi-effect pedals, or multi-effect units, because multi-effects doesn't always have to be in pedal formation. It could be like what I own, which is a Digitech GSP-1101, which is a single rack unit. Uh, one rack space, one U, as they call it. But I'll stick to pedals here. Okay. As anyone who has followed me for any length of time has known that I am a humongous champion of multi-effect pedals over single-effect units for the reason that most single-effect pedals are crap. Junk almost unusable. Now, before I explain why they're so unusable to a large degree, I'll actually give you a few examples of good ones, of which that number is damned few. But I'll explain a couple of good ones. Okay, what are good effect pedals? Two immediately spring to mind. The TC Electronic Ditto, which is a looper pedal, a little expensive, at about $75, but it does exactly what it was designed to do. It is stupidly easy to operate. It is genuinely useful, if not the easiest looper you will ever use in your life, which is what almost justifies its price tag right there. It is just, it's a fantastic thing. Compact, does, the circuitry works perfectly. It is, other loopers cost hundreds if not several hundreds of dollars, yeah, obviously several hundred. You could easily spend four or five hundred dollars on a looper, but this one is under a hundred bucks. The TC Electronic Ditto, and to be blunt, honest, that is the only one you'll probably ever need if you want to do the looper thing, unless you get the RP two two five five, which I'll explain in a second. That's a multi-effect pedal. Now, the other one I can think of, I can actually think of two more, the MXR. Dynacomp, which is a compressor pedal. Two knobs. Fantastic. Why? Because it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It compresses, works for rock, metal, country, jazz, uh, any other genre you can think of. Is it a little noisy? Yes. But that's because compression pedals do, will, actually, they, yeah, they will add in noise. That's what you need a gate for, which is the next one I'm going to mention, is the uh, MXR Smart Gate. One knob. Just threshold. That's it. That's it. So if you have the Dynacomp in concert with the, uh, yeah, the Dynacomp in concert with the, I just forgot the name of the pedal. Smartgate. <laughs> Use of the Dynacomp along with the Smartgate is a great combination. The Smartgate is actually kind of expensive. The Dynacomp's relatively cheap, but the Smartgate's expensive, but damned good at what it does. So you've got that compression going on, which is great, and you've got the gate to quiet down the noise. It's a good combo. It just is. So those are pedals that I can say, yes, are they worth their price tag? Well, mostly. A little overpriced as far as I'm concerned. But do you get what you pay for? Eventually, well, especially with the Ditto, yeah, totally. You'll get what you pay for with that one for sure. There are very few effects pedals other than that, however, that aren't just total junk. And I'm not talking junk as in construction, 
The construction of the pedals is fine. The operation of the pedals is not in dispute. That's fine. It's the usability of the pedal. That's what makes them suck. Because, see, here's the thing. And you need to remember this when it comes to effects pedals. They need amps. They cannot be plugged in direct. Actually, that's not true. They can be plugged in direct, but they suck. They sound brittle, nasty, raspy, no matter what the hell it is. It doesn't matter if it's a flanger, delay, chorus, distortion, overdrive. What's another one? Leslie. Uh, there's more I can't think of. But anyway, you get the idea. You cannot plug these things direct into a mixing board or direct into your computer without having them sound like total junk. For example, if you go and get that famed Ibanez Tube Screamer, it has to go through an amp because the character of the pedal basically shines best when you're driving it through a loudspeaker. They are not designed to be plugged in direct because, as you will quickly notice, when you plug in direct, it is the worst sounding piece of garbage you ever heard. Another example is the Boss DS1 distortion pedal, classic distortion pedal used by many, 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 many players. It's that big orange pedal. You've probably seen one. It's so ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Any, if you've played for any length of time, you've seen a DS1 somewhere or, or another. Plugged in direct to a mixing board, it is total buzzy, nasty garbage. Awful. Needs to go through a loudspeaker. And I don't mean a little practice amp, because if you put a pedal through a practice amp, it usually still sounds like crap until you get something with some actual girth to it, like at least a bare minimum a 10-inch speaker. 10 or 12. Somewhere probably 10s, yeah. So you put it through a 10-inch and you adjust the equalization on the amplifier head appropriately or on the combo, whatever you are using, and then the pedal will actually start to sound like it's supposed to. But until you get to that point, unless you go through that specific kind of rig, it's going to sound terrible. So no matter what you buy, I'll give you an example of something you shouldn't buy. Okay. An example of a pedal you shouldn't buy, I'm looking it up right now as I'm talking is one sec ah my internet of course is not going there we go the MXR custom badass 78 distortion and that is what it's called is the badass distortion or the 78 distortion is what it's going to be junk you're not going to get that thing to sound any good at all unless you have the proper amp to go through and it's almost as if the 78 distortion is specifically tuned, so to speak, to go through half-stack cabinets or full-stack. So it's looking for those four-speaker, at least four-speaker setup. If you tried to run a 78 badass through, say, oh, I don't like the amp I have, the uh, Fender Frontman 212R. Now, I haven't put it through that amp personally, but Fender amps do typically tend to be a little brighter sounding, and it's probably going to sound like complete junk. So, And there are lots of players that are sold on the idea with these single effects pedals of being, it's analog, it's retro, it's new vintage, it's cool. No, it's not cool. It sounds like shit. Most of the time it's going to sound like total shit. Now, compare this 
to the Digitech RP255. What is it about the 255 that just obliterates any, pretty much any pedal you could buy? The answer is simple. Amp modeling. Even if you're going through an amp, sometimes you gotta use modeling. What does that do? It shapes the sound in such a way so that it's not this buzzy, ratty mess. Now, back in the day, before this was called amplifier modeling, it was called cabinet simulation. But it's changed its name to amp modeling now because now it models not only the amp, but also the cabinet type. So that's why it's called amp. But in the beginning, it was just called cabinet simulation, but now it's called amplifier modeling. The 255 will absolutely kick your ass in a good way, not only because it has 94 amps in it, as in simulations and cabinets, but you've got loads of effects. You've got a drum machine, a tuner, a looper, which is in the 255. It's got a pedal on it. You can use that for expression. I believe you can also use it for wah. It's $150. And that is actually very underpriced for what this is. It is just an amazing piece of gear potentially the only pedal you would ever need to own. That's how good this thing is. Now, it's true that it will not get into that super washy type of uh, hippie-style reverbs and choruses and flangers, although it can do all that. It doesn't get into that, uh, what I call a spacey sound that some of the custom effect pedals have. That's true. It won't do that. But how often do you use that stuff? Like, once... Out of ten songs you write, you may need it one time. So it's not like you're going to use it all the time anyway. I have turned a few people on to the 255. Initially, they look at it and see, here's the thing about the RP255. It doesn't look cool. It doesn't. It looks kind of cheap. It's not built cheap. It's built real well, actually. But it, it doesn't look classic. It doesn't have any retro look or feel to it. So they look at it and they're like, eh, kind of looks computery for lack of a better term. But then you dive into it, and you start using it, you're like, whoa, this thing is incredible. Uh-huh. Now, you'd think Digitech would be paying me to say this. Oh, trust me, they're not. I wish they were, but they're not. I have nothing but wonderful things to say about Digitech products, floor products for these uh, RP series pedals, multi-effect units, because... Yeah, you do have to get used to the menus and things of that sort, but consider it this way. Those of you with Fender Mustang amplifiers that have the cabinet simulation built in, this is essentially, if you took the tech out of the Mustang and put it into a pedal, it would be the RP. And as a matter of fact, the RP came first before Fender Mustang series. So, and I... I I've seen Mustangs, and they you can tell they drew inspiration from Digitech for this one. They didn't copy them. It's different. But you can tell they drew inspiration from RP because it's just it's similar in the way things sound and the menu options and things of that sort, whatever. And I've told this to people before about the RP. It's like if you were to buy a separate single-effect pedal for every single thing that's in the RP you would spend over 500 if not $1,000 in pedals just to get what the RP255 does for 150 And that is no joke. P- 
people see the RP-255 and it doesn't look cool or classic. Who cares? It's on the floor. What do you care? Seriously. And you'll know, I, I noticed that about other pedals. If the pedal has like a wacky paint job, it's bright green or this or that. Okay. Any pedal that has to rely on a look just to sell it, crap. That's a reason, by the way, I appreciate MXR pedals because none of them are flashy. Not even the badass distortion is flashy, even though I hate that pedal. It's, if you look at it, it's just a plain red pedal. Steel construction, solid the way it's supposed, that's what a pedal is supposed to be. But when you got these wacky graphics all over the place and whatever, it's like, what are you trying to sell? As in the company, what are you trying to sell me? Well, it appears that you're trying to sell me a look, which has nothing to do with the sound. And when I see that, I'm like, yeah, I, I can make a safe assumption at that point that the pedal is junk, even though it's probably already junk before I plug in. Now I have almost confirmation it's junk even before I play the first note through it. On the Fender side of things, they do the same crap now. They have these competition pedals now. And the reason they call them competition is because they all have a competition stripe on them. They have four of them. Fender Distortion, Fender Drive, Fender Chorus, and Fender Delay. They got four of those. They also, if you didn't, if you weren't aware, they have the Fender Phaser pedal. I've never tried that. I don't know how that works really. The EXP1 expression pedal and quite possibly the ugliest pedal known to exist because it is bright green and not in the way like the tube screamer looks. This is one ugly ass pedal. Fender Runaway Pedal 120V. It's a big pedal like I don't even know what I'm going to read the description. I don't even know what this is for. Okay. The Fender Runaway Feedback... Okay, it's a feedback pedal. A natural feedback simulator that lets guitarists create feedback-type sounds easily and at any volume. Well, that might be useful to some people, but damn, is it ugly. Look it up for yourself, or if not, I'll, I'll link it below on my website. Fender Runaway Pedal 120V. List price of $200. Suggested retail, which means it's probably like 140 You know, while I'm recording this, I'll look that up. Uh, we'll see if Musician's Friend has it. Do they? Nope, they don't carry it. Uh, see if Sweetwater carries it. And they do. Okay. 150. Okay, so that's the actual price. Street price is uh, 200. Excuse me, the manufacturer suggests is 200. The actual street price is 150 versus 149.99, and it is a disgusting. So yeah, I will link that one. It is a disgusting green pedal, and to be honest, the reviews for it are not that good. <laughs> anyway, okay. So before you get caught up in all this retro vintage crap, because it is eventually all crap, uh, realize that single effect pedals greatly rely on an amp and its loudspeaker uh, and its cabinet loudspeaker in order to sound the way it's supposed to. Anything labeled as a vintage or a vintage vibe or new vintage or new retro, retro, whatever you want to call it, if you don't have an amp 
that is voiced that way. Maybe a little tube amplifier. I'm not a tube fan, but that would sound vintage. Little tube type, uh, even like a 5, 10 watt, even a 35 watt. Or if you, like, uh, what's that other one by, uh, the Supersonic by Fender? That's another one that has some very good vintage style voicing to it. And there's other amps by Fender too. Uh, basically like a classic Fender amp or uh, a classic Marshall or something like that or a Vox or, you know, nothing like new or it has to have like, a, oh, uh, here's a good example. A Celestian speakers. I hate, hate Celestian speakers because for one reason they break up too fast. Uh, for my sound, I can't stand that. Celestian speakers are basically, it's impossible to play clean through them. You cannot get totally clean. I mean, sure. Can you play clean through Celestian? Sure. Can you play totally clean though? Can you get, uh, crystal, crystal clear clean with a Celestian? No. Impossible. Because that's just the way they are designed. Now there are other speakers, sure. Other loudspeakers you could use that do have crystal clear. For example, pretty much any bass speaker set. They're meant to be clean. And yeah, you can make those sound crystal clear. That's why, by the way, there are some guitar players that pl- specifically play through bass amps. Bass amps and bass cabinets. Because that's pretty much the only way you can get crystal clear clarity. Absolute. Like, if you want that that a, a chorus... Like if you have a chorus effect on through your RP-255 or even a single effect if you went that route and you want the chorus to ping, so to speak. You want that just so crystal clear. It sounds almost like a house speaker. You know, something you would have like in a home stereo. Bass cabs. Bass amps do that. Totally. But, uh, and solid state or digital. But if you're going through that, classic, or not classic, but a vintage or new vintage retro whatever with the Celestians, no, not happening. It's not going to happen. It's going, the speaker will break up. And by break up, I don't mean physically break up. That's a term used for when it starts to overdrive and distort. And uh, I hate that sound. I hate everything about it because it's just, to me, it's very uncontrollable. You don't have the same sound at 2 as you would at 5, as you would at 7. Kind of like tube amplifiers almost, where volume does directly affect what you can and moreover what you cannot do with your tone. Celestians do the same damn thing. And of course, one of the classic setups is a tube type through Celestians. Or driving Celestians, I should say. Screw that. Screw everything about it, because I'm like, no, I want more control over my sound. And to get that control, you solid state or digital, and you use a modern digital effects processor, multi-effect pedal, like the RP255. Or you, you use something with it built in, like a Fender Mustang amplifier. And of course, the purists love to knock this new technology. It's not even new anymore, for God's sakes. I mean, it's not like solid state is, yeah, it's not new. Solid state's been around since the 70s. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, the purist, the, no, I, I only want to play vintage tube type and slush. Screw that. 
Oh, come on. Terrible. Terrible. There's a reason they went away from that stuff, by the way. The only reason they brought it back is because supposedly these guys want to recapture magic. Yeah, bull. They're not going to get any magic out of that. All they're going to get is raspy, gritty, ratty, horrible-sounding junk. It doesn't matter if you plug a Squire or a real-deal 59 less Paul into a setup like that. It's junk. And, of course, the purists are going to say to me, Oh, Rich, you're talking out of your app. No, I'm not. Did Celestians break up or not? Yes or no? Yes. Does tube type break up or not when you start juicing? Yes. Yes. Does Solid State provide a more clear tone? Yes. Or digital? Yes. That is indisputable. Or undisputable? Is it indisputable or undisputable? I'm going to say in. That sounds better. I'm probably wrong. But anyway, indisputable. Solid state and digital are cleaner. As long as you're not using Celestians. And, uh, yeah. So, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm getting all bitchy now. So, I will end this one here because I'm already at... I'm going to keep this one short this week. I'm at the 21-minute mark I see on my uh, Audacity recorder here. So, I'm going to stop. But anyway, thank you for listening. If you have a comment or two, please feel free to leave one. Or you can email me at richatmenga.net. Read my blog at www.menga.net or see me on Twitter at twitter.com slash richmenga or on Facebook at facebook.com slash richmenga. Thank you for listening to Radio Free Menga Episode 9 with your host, me, Rich Menga. See you next week. Ciao.